How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Uh, nice one, Mark. That's good. Yeah. Remote audience. I like the remote audience tonight. Yeah, it's 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 great. I mean, it's it's it was great being back in studio. Now we're not directly in studio, but still through studio. This is adaptation. This is our new world. There will be times we'll be in studio, sometimes not, but always live. Incredible. Could you do me a favor? Could you move your head over just a little bit? Because in your background, it looks like is that an outsmarting anger book? There? It is. Which side? That's it. Perfect. Yeah, Look at that. I love that background. So, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can find yeah. that on Amazon and where you purchase books. Yeah, and that was from 2013. And somewhere around there, I was also uh, supervising residents at the Brockton VA. And uh, I'm delighted to say that one of those residents has kept in touch with me over the years, actually a couple of them, but we have one here tonight to talk about his work. Tom, could you introduce our guest, please? That's right. He began his career working with male teenagers experiencing mental health problems. He then attended medical school and started an initiative to legalize syringe exchange programs for IV drug users in the state of Florida, which became law years later. While in psychiatry residency, he was selected for a two-year leadership fellowship with the American Psychiatric Association and sat on the APA's Board of Addiction Psychiatry. He now resides in Jacksonville, Florida, where he works on a hospital's psychiatric inpatient unit, in addition to providing electroconvulsive therapy and seeing outpatients for addiction treatment. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show, Dr. Mara Kirsch. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. It <laughs> is so great to see you. My gosh, look at you. All grown up and everything. I know. It's great to reconnect with you. It's been, it's been <laughs> yeah. too long. It has been, but boy, it's great. I've been your your work is going great. I've been watching stuff on LinkedIn and you're doing all sorts of videos. So welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. What has been going on? What are you working on? Well, right now I'm uh, working on digesting the uh, liver and onions that my Russian wife just made for me for the first time. <laughs> and uh I, I got to tell you what, you know, growing up in uh, on the North Shore of Massachusetts, it just wasn't uh, something that we ate, and it's been a part of her family tradition for a long time. She made it tonight, and I'm getting through it. It was okay. You know, <laughs> have, have you ever had it before yourself, liver and onions? Sure, liver and yeah. onions. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I just never had it before. But it was, it was, it was all right. It was kind of tasty. So maybe we'll do it again. That's so you're so you're in Florida, and how long have you been married now? So um, we've been married for, gosh, almost uh, a little over three years. And um, if you recall, you called me uh, one night four years ago asking me, actually, I think to come on the show to talk about traumatized veterans. Right. I happened to be actually uh, abroad. I was in Austria, and I had just met my wife. We, we happened to meet at a cafe in Berlin, and uh, you, you called me, and it was around midnight over there. 
and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little busy right now uh, courting my future wife. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to touch base with you a little bit later. Uh, so I'm glad we're able to connect now. Things have changed a little bit. I'm now yeah, down here in Jacksonville. I'm married. We have two beautiful sons. Uh, Oscar, he's two years old. Amadeus is one year old. And we're having a, a good time down here. Um, that's fantastic. I remember that phone call vividly. Absolutely. <laughs> remember it well. It was what a, so that's incredible. And, and even though it's all those years later, it's the first time for liver and onions. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. We've eaten plenty of schnitzel and all kinds of other things, but <laughs> liver and onions is the first. So, so, yeah. so where are you working now? Where, what, what are you doing? Still doing psychiatry? Yeah, yeah, of course. I've been over at Memorial Hospital. It's a community hospital here in Jacksonville. I work on the inpatient unit, so I uh, treat the inpatients who come in. Uh, you know, down here in Florida, we call it the Baker Act. Um, up in Massachusetts, you know, it's called the Section 12, the, the involuntary commitment to a psychiatric unit. Uh, it seems like, you know, many people um, know, at least know someone who has been committed to a psychiatric unit at some point in their lives, and, you know, a family member, a friend. So, I imagine most of your listeners can relate um, to the type of patients that end up, you know, on my unit. Um, sometimes it's people, it's their first time. Sometimes it's people who are admitted frequently. Um, but we treat them with, of course, medications. And I also do the electroconvulsive therapy. But uh, what I've been doing on the side um, really is trying to focus on men's mental health because uh, I see it as a neglected topic of discussion and sort of the um, national you know, conversation about mental health. Um, you can uh, do a, a fellowship after your psychiatry residency in women's mental health, um, which I guess is considered a subspecialty, even though it's half the population of people on the planet. Um, yet men have no such uh, recognition or specialty um, or extra training. So uh, I think it's a population of people, again, half the population, but it would have been overlooked in our um, conversation and our, our outlook for treatment uh, for mental health in society. Hmm. That's fascinating. If you think about it, it's true. We have specialties in women's mental health, but not men's. So is that, is that something, I, I'm just fascinated by, by your insight into that picking up on that when did when did you start thinking about that well <clears throat> um i think probably over the last couple of years i mean it's always been an interest of mine because uh i've i've been interested in psychiatry for so long and went to medical school to become a psychiatrist um but i'm also a guy and so you know I, i'm i'm dealing with the same stuff that guys in the 20 any other guy deals with in the 21st century are our thoughts, emotions, feelings, perspectives on things. And um, I even had a uh, major depressive episode myself while in medical school. I talk about it in one of my videos uh, about depression. It was something that um, really uh, strengthened my desire then to continue my journey to become a psychiatrist because it was so real for me. But I recovered from it and, and moved on. And um, so I'd really like to change the, the thought process of, of mental health as being some abstract, uh, concept as to something as simple as uh, breaking a bone. You know, you, you have some extra stress, you have some biological uh, predisposition, and something happens, you break down for a little bit, you have some symptoms, but if you get the treatment that's recommended, you know, the proper treatment, you can 
recover and improve and, and, and move on even as a stronger person, uh, the way a bone might heal even stronger than it was before it was broken. So um, I think it's important to look at mental health that way, and particularly for guys, where if you can kind of objectify it a little bit and make it a little more practical, like, hey, you got a problem, fix the problem, and then move on and feel better, um, that's not the way mental health is really being viewed. And for men especially, I think it would be helpful to change our perspective on it to help them feel more encouraged to get treatment. Yeah. So what, what about that, Dr. Hirsch? Is the stigma greater on the male side? We, we're meant to be strong and you know, things aren't meant to get to us? I think so. I, you know, there, of course, um, uh, I'm not trying to be unfair to how tough women are supposed to be in society, of course, as well. But I'd say there's, um, uh, it, it's heavier on the guys to, as we were talking about, keep that stiff upper lip, keep trucking, put, push it down, don't address your feelings and just be a man and move on. And that's um, a bit of a antiquated um, uh, perspective. And I'm not trying to say that in a way that um, makes me seem like some, you know, 21st century softy who's you know, never experienced a world war or something like that. But I think that you know, a lot of the, the men of the previous generations who sort of were brought up with that as their uh, mentality um, suffered a lot because of it. And if you just um, made the, the, the resources available and opened up the, the conversation and the perspective to say, hey, it's okay. If something's going on, you're not weak for accessing care, right? To reiterate, just like you're not weak for going to the hospital if you got a broken bone, right? Go get it addressed, get it fixed, feel better, and move on. It doesn't mean you have some permanent disability, some permanent weakness, but something happened, and you're going to be, I mean, you know just as well as me, if you address things early and get it taken care of, you can nip it in the bud compared to letting it fester, like a festering wound, which just then makes you septic down the road, and that can help happen to your mind as well. So was this sort of uh, an unforeseen consequence of the male-dominant sort of hierarchical structure of society that we are finally addressing um, and moving, I hope, away from, adapting, and saying, you know, we don't need to do that anymore? Because there was this culture, you know, if men are in charge and you want to be competitive with other men who are competing to be in charge, you got to be like this rock. Fascinating that that that's really backfired. Sounds like a bit. I mean, well, for for many guys, I mean, of course, there uh, there's a spectrum of sort of biological predisposition to mental toughness, if you will. I, you know, if you take um, two guys and apply the same stress, but they're biologically different, you know, one guy is going to break you know, before the other. So telling one guy to, to, you know, tough it out and suck it up and keep trucking is different than telling another person who's just more predisposed to um, having an issue and, and having a mental mental uh, problem that's going to get in their way of progressing in their journey to become, you know, a, a functional person or continuing to be an, an adult and provide for their family, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that... Uh, Every um, top executive who uh, has had to work a ton and, and just kind of ignore their own feelings is necessarily predisposed and putting themselves, positioning themselves for a mental breakdown. Some people are tougher than others. 
mentally, um, but to apply that same mentality to every single person and trying to apply it when there is an issue and there is pathology is definitely not helpful um, and is not therapeutic and is not going to help people uh, get better. So, so how do the gender roles play into this then? Especially right now where in the Me Too movement and in, in the feminist movement, and I, you know, I'm all, obviously we're, we're influenced in part of that, but has that also somehow peripheralized men even more? That somehow we're not meant to say anything? I think that's a great question and, and the, you know, broaching a great subject because, um, right, uh, I'm sure you probably at this point, I certainly know some guys who have made the choice to be stay-at-home dads. And uh, that's something that wasn't part of, um, you know, my father's generation. It's more part of my generation and uh, maybe the generation of Tom and maybe not so much of Mark. I don't know. I'm kind of just uh, postulating here based on seeing your... Uh, your video screens uh, and how how old I think you might be, but um, um, but yeah, I mean that, that's uh, an interesting um, uh, topic of discussion. Is uh, how how are men balancing the evolving gender roles? Because uh, I am one hundred percent on board that uh, women being uh, you know having the same opportunities as men and uh, uh, progressing and advancing um, in society. Uh, at, as they should, as uh, any person who's capable, of course, should. And in prior generations, I guess that was stifled. And um, I certainly went to medical school with women who I consider to be, you know, much smarter than myself. And uh, so there, there's so much talent out there. Um, but uh, it's like, you know, there's women, there's talented women who are coming out of the woodwork everywhere and assuming these roles, while men are still. Uh, and, and many men who may have assumed those roles who otherwise, you know, aren't actually maybe weren't as talented to begin with. And now because women, more talented women are able to take those roles, they need to take a step back. Um, but how do you then deal with that uh, difference while still having this masculine mentality of I should be in charge, I should be running the show? Um, that, that's, that's a lot of uh, testosterone that maybe you need to suppress. Tell us, how do you manage it? What, what's, is it a group therapy? What do you guys do? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I um, have been creating these videos and uh, really that um, uh, service, that, that, that project is uh, in its relative infancy. Uh, you know, I have um, like seven videos on my website right now about various mental health topics. But in terms of my day-to-day, I'm not running any like men, male specific groups. Uh, you know, I obviously treat equal numbers of men and women on the inpatient unit, my electroconvulsive therapy service and my addiction practice. Uh, actually, I probably have more women than men because as we were talking about, women are more likely to access mental health care than men. Um, so certainly in my outpatient practice, it's uh, it still is more women. I probably have more men in the addiction side. So, you know, I prescribe Suboxone, which is helpful for uh, people with opiate uh, use disorder. Um, and uh, substance abuse is um, a, a big uh, part of, of male mental health. Um, men uh, have higher rates of substance abuse, higher rates of alcoholism, uh, higher rates of uh, lethal suicide attempts. Um, these are all like really overt, glaring, blaring issues like, hey, uh, we should address this. Why 
um, are guys, you know, shooting themselves at higher rates than women? Why are men abusing alcohol at higher rates? And and it probably has a lot to do with biological disposition, but maybe it also has to do with psychological suppression of uh, things that are going on in their lives that they're trying to distance them so, themselves from. <clears throat> and of course, that's a big part of uh, substance abuse treatment. So that might be a nice uh, segue uh, if we're going to get away from the the politics. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, what might be making a man depressed or anxious in this day and age um, could have to do also with uh, an era of uh, constant uh, apologizing for being a man. And uh, if there's one thing to, you know, that, that maybe just one political point that, that is a, a cultural reality right now, there's a lot of apologizing for being a guy and to, to make any human being, whether they're a man or a woman or whomever uh, live a life of apologies, um, well, who would want to live that way? So uh, that, that's, um, I think, a big psychological component that has to do with uh, mental health issues that men are experiencing that might even drive them into, you know, increased rates of substance abuse that I was just talking about. Absolutely. I mean, because we know one of the great risk factors in, in kids for substance use is low self-esteem. And if you're always apologizing, then you're basically saying, I'm sorry, I'm not good enough for you, which is the I see domain of the I am approach. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? Is that what you're finding in the male population that you're working with? Um, Perhaps. I I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, the, the I'm not good enough, um, I don't think is exactly what I was referring to in, when I talk about the apologizing. It's sort of just this, this uh, and I, again, I know we want to distance ourselves from the political aspect of it, but the, the sort of like uh, national, like, I'm sorry, I'm a guy uh, type of mentality that is trying to be sort of force-fed by um, uh, many people in society right now. And, <clears throat> you know, many people are able to sort of distance them, themselves from that, but... Uh, many aren't so it can kind of drive a person crazy after a while i mean no one wants to live like that you mentioned videos tell us about that where can people find them and what you got so um yeah like the videos are supposed to be resources for guys uh who are experiencing some kind of mental health problem and um don't uh, necessarily have ready access to a psychiatrist so uh, there's so many mental health resources out there on the internet and uh, so many are terrific, um, and many have to do with you know wellness in general. And I'm, I'm really pleased to see how many uh, like physical fitness and uh, dietary you know, resources because you know uh, health and well-being, you know, physical fitness and your diet have such a large impact on your mental health. So people accessing those kind of resources just in and of itself, um, you know, you don't have to have a medical degree to to have that kind of information and promote those sort that sort of information. So. It's great that um, so much is available, but uh, if you're experiencing a problem that you think might need to be addressed by um, a psychiatrist, a person who has a medical degree and maybe with medication, uh, often it takes months to get in to see someone. So in the meantime, kind of what do you do to try and understand uh, the symptoms that you're experiencing? And so the videos are meant to be um, a, a way for a person to Um, at least get a little more information about depression, about bipolar disorder, about suicide, suicidal thoughts, alcohol, opiates, 
marijuana use, anxiety, you know, these are all the topics that I'm talking about. Um, and how would a psychiatrist approach that? So what can you expect yes. when you do see a psychiatrist and that the treatment might be offered, you know, to help you out? Mm, great. I see Ben's got his hand up. Ben, you had a thought? I did. Uh, thought slash comment. I'd just like to hear uh, uh, Dr. Hirsch's thoughts on. Uh, so I, I perusing social media, as we all do, uh, came across a, a meme that really kind of stuck out to me. And it's, it's kind of stuck in the back of my head. And I feel like it's relevant to this conversation. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, there are only so many things and or people on this world in this world that are given unconditional love one of them of course women just because of the role they play in life in general we all respect ladies at an utmost level pets and children now notice men was not on that list now uh, it seems a lot especially now these days in the uh, the way things are it's almost like as a man you are not valuable if you are not being productive, if you are not earning, if you are not bringing in for your family, your household, whatever it might be, anything short of utter success is considered utter failure in a lot of social circles. And I feel like there's a lot of guys out there that feel like, man, I can't reach that plateau that my father reached, or I can't do better than my father did, like I promised myself I would. And there's so many men that fall into that depressive stance based on that alone, and I just would love to hear your thoughts on, on that approach. And is that maybe a, a driving factor in these depression cases and in men in general? Because who do we have to go talk to about these things? If we don't talk to our friends about them and those closest to us, then often we are our own pillars and especially as men get isolated further and further into that process, you begin to have less and less pillars to lean on. And eventually what happens when you try to lean and there's nothing there? Down you go. So your thoughts on that, doctor? Yeah, Ben, I think that's an excellent point because um, men at their nature are competitive, right? I, I would argue that we are naturally, uh, given our hormonal makeup, more competitive than women and in a <clears throat> in in a earlier time um you know maybe you were competing uh internally against um the the guy next door or uh the, you know the guy in the, across town or you know the guy who worked at the same factory or whatever but it was sort of like um on par with uh sort of what you you know maximizing your potential everyone has and, and this is going to be a great thing for dr shran to comment on when i'm finished but you know maximizing their own potential whatever it might be based on their biological composition and uh their upbringing and uh their emotional well-being and, and the resources that they've been provided given you know what they grew up with but in this day and age with telecommunications uh you've got guys who you know, should be living their best life as a, you know, happy, satisfied, married with kids, blue collar workers, successful in their own domain, comparing themselves with a billionaire. And because we're so exposed through social media to the lives of other people that, oh my God, like I only make uh, this amount of money but this other guy is making this insane amount of money and has all these uh, luxurious things in life, and you're you're able to just you know dial into all of that on a daily basis on your phone, and you're driving yourself crazy by comparing yourself to someone that you have no business comparing yourself to. You need to live in your own, live your own life in your own moment, in your own reality, and feel good and successful 
doing that rather than comparing yourself to someone completely in a, in a different stratosphere um, that, than yourself. Well said, Doctor. Thank you. Yeah, and um, certainly we compare ourselves to other people all the time. It's not always social media. Sometimes it's anti-social media where we are comparing ourselves in ways that yields nothing other than this continued sense of inadequacy. But I can tell you, I just subscribed to his YouTube channel and I'm psyched because I saw the videos that he's been talking about and I'm looking forward to watching some of those. And one of them is specifically on um, substance abuse. So are you seeing that a lot with the male population? And, and um, can you help us understand that a little bit better? Absolutely. I mean, there are so many... Um, people out there uh, abusing drugs and alcohol. And uh, of course, on the extreme end, we have people who, um, you know, their, their entire life has been unfortunately consumed by an addiction to drugs or alcohol, and they've lost everything, and they're hopeless and depressed, and they, you know, go from rehab to rehab. And uh, we, you know, we, we do have good resources these days to try and help them. Um, but there's, you know, many people that aren't in that category, that aren't so extreme that they've lost everything and and they're on the streets you know panhandling for the next pint or something i mean that that the majority of people of course aren't like that but um still are probably you know drinking too much smoking too much marijuana whatever but thinking and convincing themselves that it's treating their anxiety or it's helping them sleep or whatever but when i talk to them and we actually i i tell them always we cannot address your true uh, depression or anxiety um, in, until we address the substance abuse. Because even if you're having what you consider res a responsible amount, it sounds actually like you're kind of abusing alcohol and maybe some drugs. And until that's unraveled and that's settled, I don't know whether you're actually depressed. I don't know whether you're actually anxious because, uh, and, I, and I talk about this in, in uh, especially in my video about alcohol, the way alcohol has an effect on your, your uh, on you biologically and your neurochemistry and how it depletes you eventually of your um, of the, the transmitter, the neurotransmitter that tells your body to relax. And that's why when people go into alcohol withdrawal, they're in this, you know, tremulous, excited state and they can't sleep or they wake up at 2 a.m. like in a, in a panic. Um, and it has to do with the alcohol. It's not because you have a sleep disorder or an anxiety disorder. So you have to unpack those issues first before we can really talk about what might be going on and hey once you unpack that substance issue maybe there actually isn't anything and maybe it's just which is which is actually great news you know a lot of people actually come in and they they hope they have an anxiety problem and that they can continue drinking and that they're really just self-medicating and i can give them a medicine and they can keep can keep you know drinking heavily but it just doesn't really work that way yeah just one thing what, what we talk about in in our work with substance use is People will say often, you know, look what I lost. We say, you didn't lose anything. You gave it away, and you can take it back. Um, it, it, to lose something means that you had no power. Um, and addiction is not about morality. It's about mortality. It is a brain thing. But people can manage the substance use, but not alone. You need the help to do it, and that's what people like Dr. Hirsch are all about. Is is the substance use increasing in men 
because they are trying to mask depression and anxiety. You know, um, I, I think that's a hard uh, question to give some kind of statistical answer to uh, because I don't know. I, I mean, uh, who knows whether the hundreds of millions of guys in this country and, and billions globally are drinking more now than they were 20 years ago or not. I, I really don't know. Um, but it does seem to be a convenient way to mask these problems and a common way to do it. And what ultimately is an unhealthy outlet that's hard to break free from. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, it's hard to develop the insight that, hey, it's making the problem worse and it's a challenging issue to remedy, as, as you know very, very well um, from, from all your work that you've done. Uh, I, I don't know what the actual rates are. Uh, some people have said, I mean, you, you look at some interesting, like, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement statistics, like, um, in, in, in this COVID time, at least over the last year, like rates of domestic violence have gone up. Um, it seems like rates of uh, violence related to intoxication have gone up. And you'd think that that's because people are trapped inside and they're feeling more depressed and anxious. Maybe it's because people have nothing else to do other than sit at home and drink when nothing else is open outside of their house. I'm not sure. Interesting thought. There's certainly, you know, look at what's going on in, in airplanes now. I've, I've never, never seen this degree of, of unmitigated violence that's just happening in airlines. But we can, that's another discussion, I'm sure. So before we, we end tonight, Dr. Hirsch, we, we come back to the I am, as you know, because you, you talked about maximum potentials, and you're right. I think everybody's doing the best they can with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can, influenced by the four domains. Your home domain, we've been speaking about that. The social domain, we've absolutely been speaking about that. The IC domain, how I see myself, how I think other people see me, we're talking about that. And we spent a lot of time about the biological domain. Because the four domains interact, a small change in any one domain can have a big effect. You don't need to change everything. So for our listeners, given what we're talking about, male mental health, what small change can our audience have so that they can improve their mental health? So um, I would say uh, to give a concise answer on a, on a, a practical small change, um, distance yourself from social media. Uh, it, it's it's a reality and it's not a bad thing in a lot of ways. But I remember Dr. Shran working with you um, in not not too long ago in uh, the castle and you know the other child and adolescent unit that you ran, and we were working with kids that were growing up in this age of social media, which. As I said earlier, me as an elder millennial, remember the time before social media, and I didn't have to grow up with it. But kids now are growing up having to manage a dual personality, their personality in real life and their social media personality. And how do you develop as a, uh, a person who's 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, early teen year, teenage years old, trying not just to develop yourself in person, but also to develop your online presence. That's insane. That's an impossible task for a developing human being. And so it's, but it's not just kids. It's also now adults, as we talked about, you're on online comparing yourself to all these other individuals and losing sight of 
uh, yourself and your own domain and your own reality and what you should feel good about on a daily ba basis, you know, uh, right there in your uh, immediate surroundings. So uh, if there's one practical thing, it would be, you know, be more mindful of what's going on around you and stop uh, looking on social media, uh, looking to aspire to what you see on, on the screen on your phone. Mark, Tom, what do you think about that advice? I think it's tremendous advice. I mean, I, I, I've seen wonderful things about it. I mean, you've 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 got the the Netflix um, uh, documentary about it, and and there's this guy Darman who it brings right up to my my uh, memory is he, they they have this person who's putting this persona out there. He's working for a wealthy person, but he's taking pictures that he's living there and he's taking pictures of the person's car and acting as though this is him and obviously it's it's to the extreme but it was it's it was a really fascinating video and he eventually gets busted and the and the person he's working for is like what are you doing what what this, this you're, you're taking pictures in my house and um it's 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 frightening to think that that a, a growing brain would be doing that because that yeah. would be very stressful to try to to balance that out but i know people do it i know people adults do it it's um great advice <laughs> in a roundabout way it's great advice stay away from social media as best you can the i am also has another truth because everybody's interested in what you think about them you control no one you influence everyone dr hirsch what kind of influence do you want to be are we still on, or is that yes, a... Yes, you uh, are. Oh, okay. This, this is our music underneath. What kind uh, of influence? Right, so I want, the influence I want to be is if you're a man out there uh, and you're struggling with uh, something that you just feel is not quite right and you need a little bit of help, get that help before, you, you know, all your friends and family are telling you and forcing you into treatment. Um, you know, don't feel bad about it. Look at it as a medical issue that needs to be addressed, fixed, so you can feel better and move on. And that should be, and by doing that, that should influence those around you to do the same thing. Great. Thank you, Dr. Hirsch. So honored to have been one of your teachers. All right, everybody. We'll see you guys Thank next you, week on the Joe Show. Bye, guys. Oh,